Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's first reading from Exodus, it's probably one of the most powerful scripture readings in all of the Bible, the encounter of God and Moses. Now we can learn so much from this scripture passage. First and foremost, we know God's identity. God describes himself or identifies himself as, I am who I am. Now, if I were to ask a group of people, tell me your definition of God, or better yet, what is your image of God? I bet you every person would have a different image of God. Well, I think that's generational. Why? Well, for people that grew up before Vatican II, the Vatican II Council, people that grew up in the 40s, 50s, and early 60s, they had a different concept of God. Their image of God was of fear. Why? Because the church back then promoted it. You know, people feared God. You know, they feared damnation, hell, and sin, because that's all the church preached about, that people were going to be damned to hell if they didn't go to Mass. And so, out of fear, people came to Mass every week, because they feared damnation, judgment. More to it, it was the fear of sin and what the effects would do to us. And so, the church essentially preached fear, fear, judgment, and damnation. That's why people came to confession every week on Saturdays in order to go to Mass on Sundays. And so they heard this on a regular basis. So the image of God was one of a king on a throne, you know, ready to pounce at every mistake that we made. Well, Vatican II came in in the middle 1960s, and then the pendulum swung the other way. Suddenly, now the emphasis was on God's love. God loved us all. And God was, through his love, was able to tolerate all the mistakes and sins that we made. As if, it was as if God's judgment and anger, sin itself, was basically put on a shelf and the door was closed. The emphasis now was God's love. God loves you and everything is great. You know, I remember as a student studying for confirmation, the catechist in our class, the teacher, once told us, he said, you know, it doesn't make a difference how grave of a sin you've committed. What's important is that you know that God loves you. We'll never forget turning to my friend and we thought to ourselves, is this guy for real? Even we understand that concept. Well, what we have to recognize is we can't live on those polar extremes. We can't live our faith life in fear, nor can we live with an attitude of, hey, God loves me, and I love God, and therefore I can do whatever I want. No, we can't. Instead, we've got to live in the middle. Live in the middle, which means we practice our faith out of love for God, but also we work at it. We're not complacent in it at all. You know, a good analogy would be an athlete at any sport. The athlete, he or she, if they plays out of fear and fear alone, they're always going to be afraid. 
They're always going to be afraid to take the last shot to win the, the basketball game. They're always going to be afraid of striking out to lose the game. They're always going to be afraid to take the free, fro- free throw shot to win the game or send it into overtime. Therefore, they're not going to play well. But just the opposite holds true. If a player is basically complacent, they're not going to come to practice. They're not going to work on their skills. The athlete, when they do play, they're not going to care much for their play or for the sport itself. Therefore, they're not going to live up to their potential. But if you look at great athletes at any sport, great athletes, they play in the middle. I'll give you a great example, Michael Jordan, arguably probably the greatest basketball player in basketball history. Michael Jordan played in the middle. The only thing he was afraid of, losing. He loved the game of basketball. You could see that in the intensity of the way he played. He was also hardworking. He was the first in the gym, and he was the last one to leave. And so he played in the middle, and in doing so, that made him a great player. Well, so too with us. Our spiritual life has to be in the middle. We have to love God, not fear Him. No, love Him. Because if we fear Him, our faith will not survive the challenges of life. But we love God, and we are motivated by that love to practice our faith. And we do work at it. Just as a husband and wife work at their marriage every day of their life, so too do we. We work at our faith. We pray every day. We come to Mass every week. We do Stations of the Cross. We do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. We engage in stewardship. We work at our faith. And in doing so, our faith grows stronger. Now, what we need is a good God. A God that is able to handle us, both in a gentle way, but also in a strong and firm way when we need it. And see, that's what God is showing Moses in the first reading. That's why it's such a powerful story for us all. Now go back to that analogy of the athlete. A good athlete that plays in the middle also needs a good coach. A coach that can be gentle at times, but also firm and strong. give you a great example of this. I don't know if you remember, about four, five, six years ago, Some tapes were found that recorded Vince Lombardi at practice with his players. Now, we all know the image of Vince Lombardi in our minds. Vince Lombardi, that great Green Bay Packer coach, always smiling on the sidelines, always, you know, holding or hugging his players, smacking them on the back, you know, complimenting them for their fine play. You know, the players, you know, hosting, you know, Vince Lombardi on their shoulders and then, you know, taking him off after winning a championship, after championship, after championship. So those are all great and positive images. But in these tapes that were found a few years ago, it reveals another side of Vince Lombardi that we never saw before. This is a side that was strong and firm. You know, if you watch these tapes, and they, I think they can be found on YouTube, they are a Vince Lombardi screaming at his players during practice. A couple of times you see Lombardi taking his clipboard and throwing it to the ground or grabbing a player and screaming right in his face. What is he doing? He's, he's using strong language, you know, to get the players to compel them to play to their potential. Well, I think a good coach does that. He knows when to be gentle with his players, but he also knows when to be firm with them. Well, I think that's what we see in the first reading. In the first reading, we see just that. Now, how does it begin? 
It begins with God calling Moses. He says, Moses, Moses. And Moses comes. Now, this is the gentle side of God. God knows Moses by name. In fact, he knows each and every one of us by our name. God knows us intimately because God created us. He should know us. In fact, God knows us more than we know ourselves. That's the first thing we can take. The second thing is God seeks us out. Just as he sought out Moses, so does he do with us. You know, as I've warned you before, don't be duped by these New Age spirituality books. You find them on Amazon. You go in any bookstore, you find shelves and shelves of this New Age spirituality in which the spiritual life is all about the person in search of God. You know, that's all garbage. The biblical God that we know is not like that. The biblical God that we know is the God that searches, seeks after us, just like he does in the first reading with Moses. And that's what God does for each and every one of us. Now, the story continues. God says to Moses, stop right there. Take your sandals off. This is holy ground. Well, now you see a strong language of God. Now God is, you know, being firm with Moses. So you see this delicate balance. You know, just like a good coach, now God has that delicate balance with us. He can be gentle, but he also can be firm and strong with us. Next, God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Isaiah. You know, he's not some distant figure far off in some other universe, you know, waiting to be found. No, instead, he's intimately involved in our life. Now, it's important what he says next. He says to Moses that he has heard the cry of his people, and now he wants to liberate them. Well, that's so important for us. You know, God heard the Israelites praying to him. And the Israelites now are living under terrible conditions. They're slaves to the Babylonians. And they're crying out to God for God to liberate them. God hears their cry. And now he wants to enter into their suffering in order to deliver them. That's why he chooses Moses to be that leader to do such a thing. You know, I often tell people, you've got to pray. Pray every day. Pray many times a day. Why? Because God hears our prayers. And this first reading proves it. And God will take action. We have to realize our God is a God that wants nothing more than to enter into our suffering in order to rescue us and deliver us from that, just like he's going to do with the Israelites. More to it, when God says to Moses that he has heard the cry of his people and wants to liberate them, now we're hearing the language of love the language of God's love for us all. Now, next in the story, Moses says, okay, I'll do it. But if I go back to the Israelites, they're only going to know your name. So what is your name? What is Moses trying to do? He's trying to really control God, isn't he? Now, we can do that ourselves. I can control you if I just know your name. How is that? Well, if you're walking ahead of me, say 10, 20 feet, I call out to you. I say to you, hey, Steve, Susie, what are you going to do? You're going to stop, turn around, and you're going to focus or hold your attention upon me. Well, I'm now controlling you. I controlled you because I allowed you to stop, turn around, and now hold your attention. So by just knowing your name, I in some way, some little way, can control you. Well, that's what Moses is trying to do. Notice God's response. 
He says, tell them I am. I am, which means what? He means, essentially, God is not one particular God amongst many. And there were many pagan gods during Moses' time. They were Egyptian, they were Greek gods, they were gods of the sun and the moon, of different places, seasons, times. What God is saying, he is saying, I am not one particular God amongst many, but I am the and only God. I am the God of this entire universe, and most importantly, I am the God of your life. And so that's what he means by that. And so what we have to recognize is at the very end of the story, what has God done? He's moved Moses to the center. Moses now loves God and now accepts the role as prophet. He knows it's going to be difficult. It's going to require a lot of work. But nonetheless, he accepts it. Why? Because God gently and even firmly and strongly moved Moses to the center. It's a powerful lesson for us all. See, in the center is where God wants all of us to be such that our faith is motivated by love, not fear, but love. And we work at our faith constantly, each and every day of our life. Now, we may move off to the left or to the right, but God, in a gentle way, and also maybe in a firm and strong way, will move us always to the center, just like Moses, moving us to the center where God wants all of us to be, because it's only in the center can our faith grow stronger and deeper. And may the love and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.